Hi everyone and welcome to the Pamba Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. Today uh, we've got another of our series on grief. Um, and today we're going to be talking to my friend, my um, very close friend, Tracy, Tracy Lau, Lauks. Sorry, I'm really bad at pronouncing names, but that's how it is. It's, it's loud with an X, right? Ruby, you got it. Well, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, Tracy is a, um, an artist and a teacher, amongst other things. Um, and yeah, she's got a very powerful story of, of grief to, to share with us. So um, yeah, just tell us a bit of your story. Sure. Thanks for having me, James. I think that, you know, my story through grief has to be prefaced with a little bit about um the relationship with the one that I am grieving because you need to know about him and his life before we can talk about the intensity of grieving the loss. So I'm a mom of seven children and four of my children came to our family through adoption and my youngest son, Maddie, is one of those. And he um, was born uh, with, we, we knew that he would have Down syndrome And with Down syndrome, there's all sorts of health issues that come with that. And you just, you know, you find out (laughs) those things as you go as a parent. And when uh, Maddie was first born, we found out that he had a heart defect and would need reparative surgery. And we were kind of thrust into um, that whole medical parenting uh, thing. And he ended up having to spend the first year of his life in the NICU and the PICU which in and of itself had elements of grief and trauma, just walking Mm -hmm. through so much with a child who was considered medically fragile, two open-heart surgeries. Um, He had a tracheostomy when he was four months old to help support his lungs. He had um, heart and lung disease. And so, you know, going through the ups and downs of sicknesses, near-death, you know, situations with a a young child is, you know, I started experiencing PTSD every time we would be back in a situation where, you know, there was another traumatic medical situation. And um, so he eventually came home, but he came home needing skilled um, nursing support. We had a nurse 24-7 in our home helping us care for him because he couldn't be left unattended. And that was just the life we got used to. We kind of lived in a place of heightened alert, like all the time on kind of always anticipating the next hard thing. You know, he would get better and then we'd hit the, you know, winter season where germs were really prevalent and he would get pneumonia or RSV. And we'd be back in the hospital again for another week or two or more. Some of his medical stays, even after he was home, were significant and very scary. And so we were just, we lived in this sense of constant, like, bracing ourselves for the next traumatic thing. And then finally, when Maddie came out of a really horrible spell, um, and when he was about and a half things really turned around and he started really um growing and developing he was learning to walk with a walker and having therapies at home 
and everything was moving forward in this positive direction and it felt like we could take a deep breath and kind of anticipate goodness coming coming mm. into not that his life was not good it was beautiful he was a pure soul he um had this remarkable um spirit people with nurses and doctors would just come to his room just to be present with him because of this you know unusual yeah. you know spiritual sense of joy and happiness that he just carried with him but as his physical health started to improve we, you know, started doing more things. We would go to the zoo. We would go to the park. We went on a vacation and we were able to take him without a nurse being with us. And things were looking really good. And we got back from that vacation. And about a month later, he had what would be considered an asthma attack that, you know, we've had, you know, had experienced, you know, oh gosh, hundreds of them where we would have to give him you know, his nebulizer and, you know, help get his lungs to yeah. calm down. You know, the tip, you know, I would say the typical asthma attack, but with a kid who's got, you know, compromised lungs. And, you know, it was more serious, always more serious, but it was never something where we were too concerned. I knew the tools. I knew what to do as his mom. Um, I knew more medical stuff by that point. You know, he's almost four at this point. And so I knew all the things to do, um, but that particular asthma attack took his life. And it was at a time when everything seemed perfect. Not all the other times when we thought this could be it. We need, you know, we need to brace ourselves. This is a bad one. This was when everything was perfect. This thing came out of the blue um, when we were just starting to hope that things were going to shift and we wouldn't be constantly in that place of anticipating the next bad thing. And so, um, you know, I was in the ambulance with paramedics. I was helping give him life support on the way to the hospital. He coded with, you know, as I was holding his head and, um, you know, there's having a child die is the worst thing a parent could experience and then having a child die while you are helping to administer you know emergency medical support there's that additional trauma to that and so that is that is the day that marked the beginning of the most um you know intense period of grieving and that has been five years ago since maddie died i'm so um, sorry yeah that sounds no. Well, that's that's yeah. There's yeah. no there's no really words, is there? When yeah, no, it's, it's basically a nightmare, you know. I yeah yeah. And I remember, you know, I got to the hospital. My husband John was behind us in his vehicle, and he walked in later than I did. And I just shook my head because I knew things were not looking good at all. They were, you know, attempting to revive him at the hospital, but I think it was just you know, procedural, they do it for a few minutes just to make sure the parents don't, you know, think they haven't done everything. And, you know, we just, we fell apart. And then that led us into having to tell our ch children that their brother had died. And, you know, we had six siblings that 
we had to have brought to the hospital so they could see him and we had to communicate with them that, you know, mm. that their brother was dead. Yeah, that's... I can't even imagine what that must be like. Um, yeah. I can't even imagine. Um, my my mother died of an asthma attack as well. Oh, James, I didn't uh, know that. And all the conversations <laughs> it's all right. Had, no, um, that's not the point. No I, uh, my mother died of an asthma attack. Yeah, and my dad had to ring my sister, who was in yeah. Thailand. Yeah. She was traveling. And so he oh. had to ring her from England and tell her over the phone that she had to fly back on her own. Um, yeah. So yeah, that I, for a parent, that's just yeah. I can't even imagine what that's like. No. To tell yeah. your children that that one of their brother, one of their brothers, has died, or a parent, yeah, even a parent, I, yeah. you know, it's just it's just awful. And at the time, our children ranged from you know young adults to the youngest kids at the time were. Oh, let's see, they were. Five years ago, they were like you know seven and eight years old. You know they were mm. they were so young, and two of them had special needs as well. So communicating what death even is, they're looking at his body and not understanding. And uh, yeah, yeah, parenting them through the years over you know through their own grief while grieving. So much, so many facets to grief when when it's a whole family going through something like that as a unit. There's some, the marriage, the parenting, all of that. It's just all so complicated. Grief is complicated. Yes, it absolutely is. It has yes, it has many facets to it. Yeah. Um, there's so many dimensions to it. Um. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, the, yeah. When you talk about grief, it's and it's your own story. It's very difficult, and I know this from experience because you know I've I've had to, I've shared my story, and every time you share it, you you go you kind of go back there and yeah, yeah, and you feel it again. You know, um, so thank you for sharing that because I know it took a lot of courage to share that. Yeah, it's the, you know, you don't, you think you're going to be okay, you start telling it, and then you're like, you're, you know, your body's response, I like my, you know, my physical body right now is like feeling that I know what those feelings are, I remember how it felt, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah I resonate with, with, with all of this, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I think that's really, that's why it's really healthy to connect with other people who have, suffered the same who've grieved yeah. you know I'm part of a Facebook community which is focused on people who've experienced grief so yeah. everyone that has experienced some kind of grief and it's 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 a it's so you don't feel alone I think that's yeah it's so important yeah um, I, I immediately connected you know social media has it certainly has this its horribleness but there is that gift of connection that it offers as well and you know I was able to connect to groups similar to what you're talking about that were specifically for parents who are mm. walking through the death of a child and that's a unique experience and having to be able the you know the opportunity to I always say 
no matter what where we're at in our journey in life, there's always someone that's two steps ahead of us <laughs> that yeah. can be a voice of hope and encouragement, and there's always people a couple steps behind us that need to hear our voice as well. And it's that, you know, that dynamic of reaching out to grab the hand of somebody who's a little further ahead that has some hope and that has walked through some healing and then experiencing your own little burst of of growth and healing and and being able to reach back and grab the hand of somebody who is fresh in their grief and saying, I know it doesn't seem like it's possible, but but you can keep living. You you can live. You can take your next breath. And you know, so I started writing about grief because I had I had had a blog for years. I don't even know if people read blogs anymore, but I, you know, I still have one. <laughs> Back in the day when everybody was reading blogs, and uh, I, you know, I had blogged all along about our about parenting and spirituality and about adopting our, our adoption process, and so this was just the next thing, you know, you write what you live, and so that writing about it was obviously. A, a tool, a, a healing tool, writing, and then also, you know, it was a gift. My hope was that it was a gift to make others feel less alone as well. Yeah, absolutely. Writing is such a great tool for, I mean, creativity generally, I think, is mm-hmm. a great tool for healing. Um, yeah. It really is. It, it has been for me. I. The weird thing is, yeah, and this will sound weird because I'm kind of a writer. I didn't really write. Lost my mum died. I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't writing at the time. I wasn't. Yeah. What I was doing, and I didn't journal or anything like that. And so I didn't write about how I was feeling. I didn't talk about it with anybody really for for years. Um, I didn't see a counsellor for a couple of years. You know. And this is before mental health and all of that was such a right. such a big deal. And um, I didn't cry for like ten days um, after my mother died. And even when I did, I, I apologised because I thought you know I was trying to be I was the eldest trying to be strong for the everyone else kind of thing. That's uh, yeah. And I'd done that for years. That had been my role in the family going through a childhood trauma. So, um, but once I started crying, I didn't stop. um so it was really that was a really that was a breakthrough but but yeah so i've only just started writing about it in the last few years and since i have i started journaling my emotions it's been really really healing and transforming and i recommend it to anybody because nobody else has to see it maybe show one person who you trust right that's it who reads it it's about the process of writing it's about dumping those feelings onto paper and I think it somehow gives them life and makes them real and legitimizes them. Yeah. And sometimes just the flow, the flow of writing brings out stuff that you didn't even know. You know, you weren't even really conscious what's Absolutely. going on. Yeah. Yeah, I think it unlocks what's in the subconscious sometimes yeah. Yeah, that we yeah. don't know about. Um yeah, so it is definitely, and there's, I think there's some science, and I said this before on the show, that says it, that, that shows that it improves our, not just our mental and emotional health, but our physical health. 
to write our feelings. So, oh, yeah. You know, and we can do it for free. <laughs> it's a thing. You really need a pad, pad, a pad, and a pad. I can't say it. A pad and a pen. <laughs> not, not a pad and a pen. <laughs> um, a pen and yeah. a pad. Like, and you can just write. And so it's. Um, yeah, I recommend that to everybody. Uh, especially if you're grieving, if you're listening and you're grieving, write it out. Maybe share it to one person you trust. Um, and that's it. That's all it has to be. That's one of one of the great tools. There are many, but that is one of the great ones for sure. Yeah. So did that did that help you process your grief? Yeah, it did. It it helped me to process it. It helped me to connect with other people who had you know had walked through similar experiences or were walking through that. Um, eventually, you know, led me to a place where I was you know, leading support groups um, based around grief and trauma and the importance of self-care and doing a lot of teaching in that in that um, area as well. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I kind of, you know, talk to people about having, creating a, a grief toolbox, you know, a self-care toolbox, and there is never... There's not necessarily a right or wrong thing to have in that toolbox. There are some things that are unhealthy of course, that we that we kind of turn to, but yeah. And and having a toolbox, having acknowledging a list of things that are helpful for you as an individual, because what you know, some of the tools that I use may not be tools you would pick up, and. You know, sometimes you pick up a tool and it's not working for the moment, and you let it go and move on to the next thing you know sometimes meditation I was you know that's a great tool it's not always the tool that's going to work at the moment you know sometimes being in that phase is just way too much yeah and I need to get outside and go for a walk and grab that tool and you know if my physical body is too tired to go for a walk sometimes it's a good old Netflix then that's going to be the right tool you know and it's just getting to know yourself to know in each situation as a wave of grief comes up quieting yourself enough to go what do I need right now do I need to connect with another human being do I need a nap do I need a bath and a cup of tea do I need to do yoga or get to the gym and let's wait because that's just going to get that whatever that is out do I need to write Um, and so Everybody has their toolbox. For me, I have always been a reader, um, you know, even as just a, an escape, you know, I love reading fiction. But I, when grief hit, my ability to read was was very, very, um, was diminished, was crippled in some ways. I couldn't, I couldn't read. I couldn't read. I couldn't comprehend. I couldn't retain. I'd find myself on the same page and it was frustrating because it was something that used to help me to relax Mm. that was no longer working and I had to go this is not working right now so I need to find another tool or I need to look at this differently and what I don't I don't know if I just figured this out for myself or if I read it somewhere but I started picking up juvenile fiction teen fiction again and um, I picked up Lois Lowry's trilogy The Giver and, you know, it's written for, you know, at a lower reading level. It's still beautiful literature. And I was, that was 
the first step for me in getting that back, that gift of reading, was reading between lips. And it was it was so interesting to see how that just got my brain turned back on. But it's just, you know, it's not taking a moment, being present with that wave and going, what do I need? And really looking, giving yourself the opportunity to tell yourself, you know, learning, what do I need right now? And giving that giving that to your heart in that moment yeah absolutely yeah I will come back to all of that I mean I have found new tools for grief for trauma as well I mean I you know not just grief trauma but they're um, so they're so similar like I yeah yeah they are I say grief and trauma and in the self-care coaching that I've done from time to time I've read groups and done monthly done coaching i I use the word grief and trauma because um, a woman who's experienced a rape goes through that trauma, but there is a grief attached to it too. Yeah. There, yeah. You know, there's, there's so, you know, someone that's, that's uncovering, that's w- working through childhood abuse, um, that, you know, it's, it's surfacing, there's the trauma. And then there's a the grief associated with the trauma. Yeah. And, you know, and with a death like Maddie's, there's that trauma because that was a traumatic situation. I'm, I wasn't saying goodbye to my, you know, 90-year-old mother who had lived a full life and was ready to go. I was, my son's life was ripped out of my, he was ripped out of my arms. It was such trauma, that's like distinct trauma. So, yeah. yeah, and I mean, and the, and that's the other thing as well. That grief isn't just the death of a person; it's the death of what could have been. Yeah. Like I mean, I realised only recently that I've been through two griefs. Really, that when my mother first had her as- first asthma attack in 1985, when I was eight years old, and oh. nearly died. Well, they expected her to die. She was in a on a life support in a coma for days. Um, weeks even I think um, but she miraculously made made a recovery but she had she had short term memory loss um, permanently like she couldn't yeah. her short term memory was gone and that changed everything literally everything because she was planning to go back to work and have a career and, and so our family would have been very different and circumstances would have been different and we would have been different people she would have been different the parents' marriage probably wouldn't have gone through what it did. She wouldn't have become an alcoholic. It, you know, all of that. My childhood trauma really would not have happened. Yeah. You know, and I had to, and my inner child had not grieved, had not grieved that loss because I remember what it was like before. Yeah. Um, and then there was the actual grief of when she, when she, when she did pass away, as well. Yeah. Um, you know, the physical kind of passing of um, my mother. So. Yeah, grief can hit us in all kinds of different ways. Um, yeah, for me, there was, um, you know, yes, that grief, and then the grief of watching my children have to go through an experience that they shouldn't have had to go through. You know, there's, like, yeah. watching them in pain, um, watching me struggle. In a, I, had, I had a thriving business at the time, and my ability to maintain that was was torn torn up and so watching my business suffer trying to regain you know all of the things i call it collateral damage um 
you know, the collateral damage of grief. My, you know, my relationship with my husband going through some really hard things because of grief, because of the way grief impacted us as individuals and then impacted our relationship with each other. Yeah. And so, you know, so many things that came. You know, I, I told my husband this week, I'm like grieving who, who I was. Like, you know, I'm grieving what I lost of myself. And mm. on the, and that's hard. It's like I miss myself. I miss that part of myself that hadn't experienced grief in this way. However, I can also acknowledge that I am damn proud of who I am becoming. And how, and I don't, I don't give grief the credit. I don't give trauma the credit. I give myself the credit for healing. Yeah. You know, I am choosing, choosing to heal, choosing to rise up out of it. You know, the Brené Brown rising strong. You know, it's like I'm choosing to write a new story out of this place of trauma. I'm choosing to become a more compassionate person, a kinder person, a more generous person, a person who is way less judgmental. Um, you know, and those are things that, you know, I, I, am, I am grateful. I am grateful that I allowed myself to, you know, be, you know, to, to create something beautiful, to write a new story, because that's what it's about. It's about you know, um, I in one of my talks that I give, I talk about how you know you're you're writing along the story of your life, and the pen just gets knocked out of your hand. You know, and it's like it's like this unforeseen <laughs> entity picks up the pen and writes the next sentence without your permission, and it wasn't something you would have put in the story at all. I would have never written this into my story. No way. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to write, and then one day. You know, the son took his last breath. You know, you don't want to write. No, don't get that out of my story. But I didn't get a choice, and so it happened. And then at some point in the in the grieving process, I think it was about a year. Um, John and I looked at ourselves and we're like, we can't be this sad the rest of our lives. We've got to pursue healing. We have to find a way to 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 move to move, to walk, to breathe through this and to, to become stronger human beings. And that's when I picked up the pen again. I, you know, not literally, figuratively picked up the pen and began writing the next chapter, began writing about healing, began writing healing into my life, began writing. It's like reimagining your life. Yeah. I, my life was a certain way, and then all of a sudden it was not. And I had to reimagine that it could be good again. Yeah, that's a, and that takes so much courage. I mean, that that's, takes a lot of work. It you know, and, and, work. And, and, <laughs> and you have to, and you have to uh, sign up, so to speak, over and over again. I mean, honestly, yeah. this week has been a really hard week for me, and I have felt like I can't do this. I don't know how to do this anymore. And I've done it. I know I know how to do it. I've done it. But, you know, this particular week feels not so awesome. And it feels like, yeah, yeah 
Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and I think one day I'm going to have to grieve the years that I didn't grieve properly, if that makes sense. Yeah, you when, know? When, you met, when you mentioned that, I was thinking, James, like how different societally we, we handle grief now from when yeah. your mom died. People didn't grieve out loud. They didn't talk about it. No. You didn't talk about it. I mean, and this is not even remotely the same, but my first pregnancy um, ended in miscarriage. And yes, a couple people reached out to me, um, but for the most part, it was like, I'm so sorry. And then it was just life was supposed to go on as normal. And yeah, um, I was writing then and I did journal about that process, but there wasn't a support system. There wasn't anything. Yeah. And now there's so many people um, speaking, writing, you know, sharing about their shared experiences, and we have this, you know, this <laughs> social media connection that that allows for connection in a way that, that we didn't have years ago. And you know, yes, there's the bad, but there's the good. I I don't know where I would be today if you took away um, the voices of people that really um, were voices of hope, were way-showers. I call them way-showers. The way-showers in my early stages of grief, the people that were going, no, this is the way. And, and, and at first, when you're in the rawness of it, those voices are can be really irritating or even infuriating, like, don't tell me I can heal. Don't tell me I can feel better than this. There's just no way I'll ever feel better and the pain I'm in right now, and it's hard to imagine anything close to healing. But at the same point, there's something in you that still tucks away those voices of people saying there's a way, that there's there's a way through this, there's a way to grow, there's a way to heal. Um, you don't have to be miserable forever. And, uh, yeah, so and I think you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that connection. That you know. That we have, yeah, I am and too. You didn't have, and you didn't have that when your mom died, so it's almost like you're now getting that gift of connection. Yeah, fifteen years down the line, it happened. Way, way delayed, and now you're you've got this pile of feelings now that you're going that feel. Do they feel perhaps validated more now than than? Yeah, before? they do, and I, I, I mean, I what happened when I. When I, when when my mother mother passed away, it was I was strong. Well, I thought I was being strong, you know. Yeah. I cried. I did cry, but yeah. but I bottled it all up because yeah. there was nowhere to go. There was no one. No one said to me, "Go get a go see a therapist or go mm-hmm. see a counselor or um, find find somewhere to." To, to talk about this you know nobody said that to me no one um all my yeah. sister it wasn't just me you know um we didn't have that so no no so i bottled I up all this all this stuff and it became anger was my was the was was where it came out you know and that was anger first at my mother you know like how could you leave me kind of thing which is normal for a child losing their parent um, sure. and then the god you know 
like how could you let this happen how could you not yeah. intervene how could you not why did you right. take her away from me you know well um, and you mentioned when you were eight she did get her mir- you did get a miracle and I when you said that I related to that so much because it's like all right God if this is how things work and you and I both have had conversations about this about yeah how God actually works and it's like but in that in that previous construct of God why why a miracle here and why not here and people pray both times you know yeah and and the thing is I look at it back at it now and it's like the thing is she yeah, there was a miracle but it ended up causing me trauma huge trauma right. as a teenager so yeah. Would it and you, you catch yourself like thinking, would it have been better if she passed away then? So that I wouldn't have had that childhood trauma. You know. Um but of course you can't it would have just been different. <laughs> yeah, you just you, you can't it's whole hypothetical, so you don't know what's gonna what would have happened. I I I'm actually glad that that we had the miracle because I got to I got to get to know my mother, at least for a time and have some memories you know because we did have yeah. good times even though it was difficult um we did have some good times as well and um and also because my sister was only four when the, the oh, first thing wow. happened so she probably so wouldn't even did. she wouldn't oh, have had any memory time. of her no Mm-mm. so um in that sense and she actually um the first things she said after she came out of her coma was that jesus had sent her back huh Right, yeah. and and then before she died, well, we found in her diary after she passed away that she'd been writing in her diary that uh, messages to remind herself, to remind me, to make her funeral happy, as if she almost had this kind of sense that she was about to pass away. Wow. Um, That's and my dad always always suspected that she felt like okay, she was sent back to bring up the children be at home with the children and now we were both out adults doing our own thing and she was like right. okay i've done my job huh. <laughs> and i'm getting emotional talking about it I'm um sure. I'm sure you know so there is that i guess but um yeah it's, yeah it's it's interesting we didn't have any of that support and so i just got on with my life and so it's, it's interesting now because i'm writing a book about about my my grief and trauma and recovery from it and it keeps changing the more, the more I reflect on grief you know like um, my book coach told me not to write it for a year until I've got a contract and everything and then that's probably good advice because it'll be a different book by then um, so. I hear you I have this you know I have a partial document and I have pulled you know different posts that I wrote when I was blogging that I know I want to be part of the book and that's like but when do I write it like when <laughs> it feels like every time I think okay let's do this it's like uh, yeah but yeah I, I know what you mean yeah, yeah because because grief doesn't end it's not like it's no, a no yeah the no. person doesn't come back from the dead yeah. No, no, it doesn't end that way, does it? <laughs> um, so they, they're still dead. So, yeah, um, and it still sucks. So, um, right, yeah, um, but I'm just glad that I've got all the support now that I that I, that I didn't have before because, yeah. um, but also twenty years, it's a long time, and so your whole perspective changes. 
in your relationship with I mean I'm sharing my story a bit now but yeah and your relationship with the person that's passed away changes in a way and so the anger kind of fades in the end right and yeah and you just yeah. have the, the joy in a way of yeah um I mean how is I know it's only been five years for you but what how is your perspective and your your relationship with with Matty kind of yeah, well, I think, you know, in the, in the early years when, the, when everything is so raw and, you know, you're dealing with all the first, you know, the first Christmas, the first birthday, the first day that should have been his first day of kindergarten, you know, you're dealing with all those huge events and you, grief is so fresh. They say that when um, a parent experiences the death of a child that grief is considered fresh for the first five years. And so when some our therapists told us that on our very first session, and it was like I could take a deep breath and kind of take off the expectations of having to be at a certain place by a certain time. And I think in taking that off, it has made it so that, you know, I've been able to make healing choices and, and and I've grown and I have made progress in, in, in healing and I would say, you know, looking at now at the five year mark, um, I don't wake up with my, you know, chest <laughs> crushed to the mattress every morning wondering how I'm going to get out of bed. You know, I'm able to function, I'm able to, you know, you know, I'm able to work full-time again. I'm able to enjoy the things in my life that, that are, you know, important to me. My grandchildren, I have, grand, I have two grandchildren since Maddie um, died. Um, my my art has been um, regenerated, My you know, as part of my healing process, but also as something that just brings me joy. And I so I'm able to experience the goodness of life knowing that at any moment I'm going to be hit with the sadness um, or the anger or whatever <laughs> whatever feeling grief decides to show up as, whatever form yeah. it decides to show up. And there's times I can anticipate it. There's times when it's like obvious. I Obviously I know, you know, his ninth birthday just passed and I'm, could feel my body bracing for that that day. I could feel myself. Yeah. I knew what I was going to need and, you know, could kind of prepare and anticipate that particular wave. Um, I know that at some point during the holidays, it's going to get tough. Um, because as I start shopping and as I start doing things, there's always going to be memories that come up there's always going to be that longing to what would I have gotten him for Christmas so there's those things that you can anticipate um, and then there's the times when it just comes out of the blue and it just wipes you out and you weren't expecting it and you just have to let it do its thing and you have to be present with those feelings allow them to you know say what they need to say allow them to be what they need to be um, nurture yourself Get yourself the self-care that you need. And if you can't reach out to somebody that can encourage you to do it, I have 
very few people five years down the road that I can really reach out to because it's five years down the road and a lot of people come in, they rush in at the beginning and then they trickle away. And I get mm. that. That's life. That's, that's, our yeah. that's our humanness. Yeah. But I also know that I have, you know, a couple people that I can go to say is crap. And I don't want to get out of bed and I don't want to do anything. And I'm mad and I'm, I'm just don't want to, you know, and those people that I have that kind of a relationship with can say, all right, what do you need? And they can talk me through that process. And they know what my toolbox is because they know me. You know, they know, do you need to go to the gym? Do you need to get outside to go? You know, they'll help me find the right tool. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's a gift. It's, and if and if you can be that for someone else in grief, you are a and remarkable person if you can be their go-to person. Yeah. I taught, I wrote an article about, you know, things you can do to help a grieving person, and I talk about how there's, you know, there's the, the sprinters that come right to the rescue when the when the trauma happens. They, they just run in, they work fast, they work hard, but they're only there for that sprint. And then there's the relay racers. They come in from time to time, and they pick up the baton, and they help out, and they may disappear for a little while and come back in and check on you. And then there's the marathon runners, which are very few, the people that are, like, running with you through this and that are faithful and constantly there. And, you know. Yeah. I know what you mean. The rare gift, though. Those people are a rare gift. Yeah. Those people are not the people that I even knew. Most of those people didn't know Maddie. And yeah. Most of those people weren't part of my life when my son was in my life, in, in, his, in his physical form. Same. And that's really hard to say. Yeah. Most of the people that I would have considered closest to me are not anymore. Yeah, it's the same, really. I have one friend who... Well, I've known him for thirty years, actually, since I was at school. Um, so he knew my mother. He had a, you know, he he grew up knowing my mother. So, and we're still friends, and we still see each other every month or two. Um, so, um, and yeah, and so, but that's the only one. <laughs> you know, I didn't have anybody. I didn't have anybody at the time. To be honest, I had my church group. I had my friends at church. And they probably didn't know what to do. Yeah, know? and some of them knew my mother actually as well, but but yeah, they didn't know what to do. Like, when well, they're all in their twenties, right? Yeah, they're all in their twenties. Well, I was in the, I was in my twenties. They were they'll be younger. They'll be younger than me. They were in their early twenties. You know, some of them. So, so they had no idea what to do. They and had I, no. They had no grid for how to be there yeah, for someone who's grieving. Exactly. And you yeah. didn't even know what you needed, probably. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's. <laughs> It's scary looking back how how little support I had. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. Luckily, I, it's amazing. It's a miracle I got here, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but I think the one well, the one person actually who was always a constant was my, my sister. But that that brought us together. It got us. We were we were already close, but we became much closer. Um, I I think that that would be true with my husband and I our relationship although there have been things that almost took us out at the end of the day it was that experience that has really 
connected us on a, on a level that, you know, we wouldn't have been connected. Yeah. I mean, we, we you know, yeah. There's a, there's a connection through grief that is not like... There is an, there's an intimacy in sharing grief so closely with another human like you and your sister have. There is an intimacy there that doesn't come in another way. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. Yeah, because I mean, now we can just talk about her, and we yeah. share memories as well that the other person didn't know. And no, you know, right. it's it's just it's nice, you know. And we can talk about how when my niece or nephew remind remind us, especially my niece, like right. remind remind us remind us of her or something. So, you know, yeah. um, or what she would have thought. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. Yeah. You know, it's a yeah. it's a positive experience. You know, and um, yeah, if we've got nobody else, then we still have each other, you know, and that's yeah, a really, yeah. really good thing. And I'm, I'm grateful for that because I know not everyone has that with siblings. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, but we all need those people. We need that kind of support network, mm-hmm. people that you can message and just say, I'm struggling. Like, <laughs> yeah. give me some advice. Tell me what to do. <laughs> Like, right, right. I'm just, just like, yeah. I, or, I need... or just, or just tell me, yeah, it sucks, you know. Yeah, it's horrible, you know. Just be present with the feeling of whatever the feeling is, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. it yeah, it took a lot of courage, and I, I'm really grateful. Well, I'm glad we had to have the opportunity, James. But yeah, it's an important conversation to have. And for people that are listening who've experienced it, I hope that they feel less alone and that they feel more seen and more known. And for those who are listening, who you know, oftentimes those people that are reading what I've written or listening to me are just those rare people that just want to be a better friend, a better support person for someone who they know is grieving. And I think that's a really beautiful thing to want to grow in that area of being a support person as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I hope this is, yeah, I I pretty much echo that, you know, if if you're listening and you're grieving, I hope this does feel make you feel less alone. And, you know, you're not alone. And no one who grieves is alone. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so, reach out. People need to, you have, don't be afraid to reach out. There's so many people out there that are willing to, you know, extend that hand and, you know, watch for the wayfarers. That's like listen to them. Their voices are out there. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So thank you, Tracy. Thanks, Jane. Um, yeah, thank you for coming on, and thank you for listening, everybody. I hope this has really been encouraging for you.